Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Uh, who was just taking a drink. Hello. <laughs> Perfect timing. I should have just waited. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was coming. I don't know why I started drinking then. but You, you know, live on the are. wild side. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we have Jen from the Dillo's Diz with us today. Hello, Jen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talking to you guys. Oh, we're so pleased to have you. Before we talk about what we're going to talk about. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the Disney community? Sure. So my brother and I are the Dillos Diz, which was a blog we kind of started, I don't even know how many years ago now. And with the idea of keeping it pretty up to date, and that never went anywhere. And around <laughs> that time, we had started a Twitter that we would come and go with. But about... A year and a half ago now, we started the podcast, and once we did that, we got way more into social media and especially Twitter. I think Twitter is definitely our number one go-to, and we just realized that there was this whole Disney community out there of vloggers and bloggers and travel agents and podcasters, so it's been amazing to connect with everyone and meet so many new people, whether virtually or in person. (laughs) But we grew up going to Disney. That was always our family's vacation spot. So we went every year, I think, since the time I was two. Frank had been there once before I was born. But it was always our second home. And then I worked as an operating participant, which is technically third party, in Innoventions West in Epcot from about two thousand and four to 2006-ish. So at that point, I am now, I'm married, I have two kids. So, you know, we're keeping the tradition alive of going to Disney plenty. (laughs) And your podcast is called Theme Park Thursday with Delos Diz, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And it says it's presented by the Improvisers Guide Network. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) So when Frank initially started the Improvisers Guide podcast with a new theme every day. So like Tuesdays was Talk Tuesday, wrestling was for Wednesdays, and then Theme Park Thursday was Thursdays. And Theme Park Thursday had gotten a lot more traction. So we kind of spun off into our own after a while. But he kind of is keeping the umbrella of the Improvisers Guide network for his spinoff podcast at this point. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think he might have explained that. Um, we had Frank on our podcast maybe a month ago. So if you have not listened to that, you can do so. We talked about Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. Frank worked there way back when. So we talked about the past, present, and future of Disney's Hollywood Studios. If you have not checked out their Twitter, it is at Delos Diz. It is wonderful. It's a super positive and supportive place. I just love what you guys have done for the Twitter Disney community. And you guys do follow Friday and, and you help you help support the Disney YouTube channels. And, and who... Who is mainly in charge of your Twitter account there? Because whoever it is just does a wonderful job. Well, thanks so much. That would be me. Um, (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) 
That would have been my guess too. Yeah. <laughs> Frank does partake from time to time, but it is mostly me tweeting and we joke about it because a lot of people will reply and be like, thanks so much, Frank. I'm like, hey, that was me. <laughs> like, well, I never. But, okay, that's fine. Um, so usually I'll screenshot those messages and send them to him and we laugh about it. But um, yeah, we just... I, I know there can be negativity in the dis Twitter community. We try what? to stay away from it. We don't want any part of it. Just, I, there's room for everyone. Let's just support each other and be in it together. We all love Disney, so you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I think what you're doing is really great. Thank you. Okay, so let's get into our theme for today. Our topic. We all have kids. Jen, you and I have smaller children. Brian, yours are a bit older. So we are going to cover the topic of visiting Walt Disney World with small children and then, you know, kind of school-aged children. Mainly, we're going to kind of be talking and focusing on the smaller children, babies and toddlers, because I think a lot of people think that Disney isn't as much fun with small children. Like, they're not going to remember it, so why go? Mm-hmm. And and I kind of want to debunk that. You know, I, I want to convince people that, no, no, that's a good time to bring them in give you reasons why. So kind of let's start with the general question for everyone. What do you think is a good age to bring your kids to Walt Disney World? Any time is a good time and a good age to bring your kids. I, I'm sitting here as you're talking just nodding because I have heard it all and I have gone back and forth with people plenty. My son, who is now five, went for the first time at five months. My daughter, who is two and a half, went for the first time at almost four months. She was on Dumbo at almost four months. Whether that's a good parenting choice, I don't know. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait till we get to my story. Though. Okay. Yeah. Great to, yeah. Fantastic. Um, but I, I know that they're not going to remember something from five months, but we are. And If you love Disney, I think, as we do, and you know it as well as you do, and you also know your child, you can make it work and make it an enjoyable experience. And I love each time my kids have gone, they've loved something different, been really into something different, had different expressions. So it's like they're experiencing it over and over for the first time, which is awesome to see. And I love all the pictures and videos we have as memories now. No, I think that's a really good point. It's just because they're not going to remember it. I mean, we'll have the pictures. It's At that point, it's really for us. What about you, Brian? I think some of the answer to that depends on on how often you go. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we are all in the boat where we, we tend to go once a year or more. And I, I imagine a, a good portion of our listeners are the type that go regularly. If it's not yearly, it's every couple of years, something like that. For those people, I think taking the kids as as young as possible. There's no real downside to it. They will still have fun. You will have fun. The not remembering it thing never really sit me sit with me very well because I don't tend to remember stuff that happened to me when I was 25. <laughs> right. right. In, you know, I mean, that's why we have pictures and things. Right. You know, some mm-hmm. I still will talk to to friends of mine that I went to high school and college with, and somebody will bring something up, and you go, "Oh my God, that's right! I totally forgot." Exactly. That. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that happens all the time. So whether I go to Disney World at seven or at four, I'm not sure I'm going to remember it any better when I'm 40. Right. right. Now, if you're only if you are the type of person that only goes like has a once in a lifetime type trip or once in a generation mm-hmm. type trip, now that could be different. 
then you might want to wait until the kids are old enough to at least ride everything, uh, which at Disney World is 40 inches can ride most things, 48 can ride everything. So I could see maybe waiting until they're at least that old so that, that everybody can go on everything. But some of my in-laws will go like once every four or five years or something. And yeah, even they took their, their kids when they were about three. And then again, when they were like eight or nine and, you know, mm-hmm. then you get different experiences at, diff- at, at every different age. The, the story I, I mentioned before, my, my kids are eight and 10. My daughter is 10. My son just turned eight this week. And she was at Disney World the first time when she was just under three. We took her. That's a, actually financially a very good time to take a child because mm-hmm. you don't have to pay, ticket, <laughs> uh, pay for their ticket in, until they're three, which I'm sure we will talk about uh, <laughs> a couple of times. And that was also coincidentally when I started working for Touring Plans, which was you know about eight years ago. And my son, we actually took for the first time when he was eight weeks old, mm-hmm. uh, which I would not recommend. <laughs> but uh, not that he was he was bad; he was fine. But we just had you you have to carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For an eight week old, and it was August, and it, 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 he was a hot baby, oh. so he was just sweating constantly, oh, and it felt kind of bad for him. But but we took him on every like all the rides that don't have height requirements, which is a lot. So uh, yeah, he was definitely on Dumbo at eight weeks old, spinning around on Kilimanjaro Safari, bouncing all over the place. Yeah. That was a little dicey. But, you're just yeah. like, oh, you're so four months steady. Sounds, four months sounds practically responsible. <laughs> no. Well, Brian, I mean, my son was six weeks and my daughter was yeah. 11 weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways, babies are actually easier. Yes, Mm -hmm. they have a ton of stuff and you have to be a little more flexible with your time. But really, you can bring on any ride with no height requirement. And for me, you know, I nurse, so I could just kind of feed the baby whenever I didn't have to bring all that stuff with me, which was really convenient. And then you can carry them around in the baby carrier, which, you know, they're just kind of attached to you. So in a lot of ways, they are easier. And then in a lot of ways, it's a lot harder. So yes, you can really bring your kids at any age and just make it work. And that's kind of what today is about is we're giving you tips and tricks for making it work in different situations. So let's move on to kids are sensitive when it comes to ears and, you know, your ears can pop in a plane, really uncomfortable. So I guess I'll go with my tip first. What I like to do is when you're taking off, if you have a baby, maybe give them a bottle, start nursing them, giving them a pacifier right at takeoff. Toddlers, giving them something to chew or drink. Um, Do you guys have any tips when it comes to, you know, being uncomfortable on a plane? I mean, I think as long as it's okay with your doctor, giving them a little bit of Tylenol before you take off. Mm -hmm. I know there are some other parents who would say go straight for the Benadryl, but I prefer Tylenol. (laughs) But I have... My ears are horrible on planes still as an adult. So I'm always worried that I've passed that on. Like right as we're boarding or sometimes right when we get on the plane, I will give them some Tylenol just to maybe help, even if it's easing it a little bit, if they did have any discomfort. And I otherwise, I agree with everything you said with the pacifiers, the bottles, if you're nursing, whatever works, and also keeping them distracted, mm-hmm. and which eating does. So that I think helps a lot too. Right. Yeah, we, we did much of that same stuff. Like for little babies, we do, yeah, like a, a bottle. I, I think. Well, my daughter wasn't there that young, but my son was formula fed uh, anyway. So 
the bottle worked good. As they got a little older, we started uh, getting like the Dum Dums lollipops, yep. which actually we still use. They you really? It's, become, it's just become a habit for them now <laughs> that when we're taking off or landing, they get a lollipop. They're just like, so, hand it over, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that with babies too, the, what are they, the puffs? The little Oh like, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're lifesaver. I mean, all through Disney, like they were always a standard that we carried all mm-hmm. the time, but on planes, you just throw them all over the ta- the tray table and let them let them find them and, and eat them uh, and never never feel bad for using a phone or a tablet i don't Agreed. i don't care what dirty looks i will get in a <laughs> restaurant or on a plane like i will i will throw some blues clues or something on there even without the sound it doesn't matter and just let them stare at it for an hour on the oh plane. gosh <laughs> no brian that's so true and i think People are like, iPad's not a babysitter. And it's like, well, when you're on vacation, it kind of is. Like, when, you when know, you're crammed into a plane and there's no, and you can't get up and walk around with them, it, it absolutely is. Right. And, and you know what? It's sensory overload. We'll get to this like in the parks and stuff, but they're off their routine. There's a lot going on. Sometimes, you know, like kids need to relax and kind of zone out as well. So like, you know, it's not a bad thing for you to do. And We'll talk about this next, but it's a way to keep them busy. You know, packing new toys that are just for the trip that you pull out on the plane, bringing those cuddle items so hopefully they'll nap. Jen, do you have any other ideas for keeping busy on the plane? Again, I'm just nodding my head with everything you say. <laughs> um, but, not, it's an audio medium, Jen. Yeah, so, right, hold on, hold on. We're not on YouTube. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I am a big shopper at the Target dollar section or Dollar Tree. And I load up on coloring books, stickers, little games that are easy to travel with. And I put them in a backpack for them so that when they get on the plane, they have all these new things to do. I know on Pinterest, you can find some activities too. Like I found, you can cut up sponges into different shapes and use them as building blocks. And my son sat there and did it (laughs) for a good while on the tray table. So I think anything you can do to keep them busy is a win and you don't have to spend a ton of money. And I'm absolutely a believer in tablets and phones, or if you're on a airline like JetBlue or another one with TV, bring headphones with you so that Mm -hmm. they think that's so cool that there's a TV on the airplane as well. So I think that definitely helps. I still think that's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) I know. For us, it's like, I get my own? What? One final tip that I like to do is I like to sit my kids on the aisle seat because then, you know, if there's someone on the window I don't have to put them in the middle by someone they don't know. And by having them in an aisle seat, you know, we have better access to the bathroom if we have to move and not make like a stranger move and have it be really inconvenient. So that's just a little tip that I do every time I travel with kids. And and then we'll do like two of us will be in front in an aisle in a middle and two of us will be in the row behind in an aisle in a middle. So, yeah. That's yeah. And if you are, if you, there are parents with kids on the plane that have been good, the best compliment you can possibly give a parent on a plane is saying, oh, I didn't even know there was a baby here. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've heard that once or twice and it almost makes me tear up. Yeah. So it's so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, on that note, that's something we should mention is if you are someone listening who doesn't have kids, it is very stressful flying with a baby because you cannot... You cannot tell a baby what to do. And so if they're crying 
and it's annoying. Like we know, and we are stressing, we are like having cold sweats about it and we are suffering like more than you are because we're so embarrassed. So please try to be understanding if you are flying with a baby on board, because we know how terrible it is. Yes, for sure. And I think also, even before you get on the plane, if they are walking, try to get them walking around as well and let them just move throughout the airport. Some airport, I mean, here in New York at T5 for JetBlue, they have a whole junior play area at JFK where they can go play like they're on an airplane, which is great to just get them moving, get them up and have an activity for them before we make them sit on a plane for a really long time. Yep. MSP has something similar at one of their terminals and that's really great because they just get all their wiggles out before yep. you get on board. Exactly. I'm jealous. I always end up flying out of Newark on JetBlue and they do have nothing. Yeah, no Newark stuff. <laughs> I'll have to tweet at them, Brian. Yes. You can tell oh, them to get a move I'm... on that. <laughs> Moving on to staying at a resort. I don't know about you, but when my kids were babies and toddlers, like younger toddlers, they were not really good at staying at hotels. Like they just didn't sleep well is what I mean. So I guess I I, kind of want to talk about that and then just general tips for making your resort stay a little more comfortable with kids. First of all, how do your kids do at hotels? My kids have always done really well at hotels and actually enjoy it and kind of ask to go back. Lately, my daughter, I don't know if she's just going through something, whether we're at our in-laws or maybe just staying overnight somewhere, she's kind of like, I miss home. But otherwise, they do pretty well. I mean, in Disney, we definitely request a pack and play to try to keep it to a sectioned area and they're not too uncomfortable and it's kind of similar to their sleeping. My son at this point will either share a bed with us or if there is a pullout or another bed, we'll put him in that. But overall for me, knock on wood, they do pretty well. What about you, Brian? Have your kids had any issues ever? No, mine have always been pretty good travelers. Both my wife and I like to travel. So I think we passed that one down. But uh, yeah, I mean, the same that we always use the pack and play, even when back when we only had the one, we used to either get the pack and play or when she was a little older, you can actually get bed rails from the yep. hotels at Disney too. So we used to do that at least to kind of to kind of pin her in a little bit. But no, they actually like hotel. Now it's funny because now that my daughter is older, she will always ask us when we're going anywhere that is it is not a theme park. The first <laughs> question I always get is, well, is the hotel nice? <laughs> like, how, when have we put you in like a flea motel? I don't understand, I don't understand what we've done to you that you think they we're going to They have standards, crap. Brian. Come yeah, on, I know. Sure. Well, half the time we stay in like Holiday Inn Expresses, which are, I mean, they're not like, it's not the St. Regis. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where these, these requirements came from. But. What are you expecting from me? <laughs> No, and, and thank you for bringing that up, Brian. You know, you can request bed rails at a Disney hotel, a pack and play. I thought at one point, like a high chair or like a little, I, I, I feel like Aaron Foster wrote a blog post a million years ago that talked about like, you can request like little potties or potty seats or something. And I don't know if that part's still true. I wouldn't be shocked. You can, you, Disney will supply a fairly shocking amount of things to you uh, if you need them. Yeah. I don't know where I read that. I, I think maybe it was like a toilet training article that she wrote. And then what we always request is an extra fan. We are people, we are fan people. So whenever we sleep, we all have a fan in our room and they will supply you with box fans. And not only does it make us feel like we're more at home, but then it blocks out the noise, you know, early in the morning or late at night when people are coming back. 
So that's something that we always request and, you know, it's like free. And we are also fan people. We all sleep at home with fans in our rooms. It was, it's something that has been passed down to me from my father who worked third shift for a while and got used to it and then made us all used to it. And now <laughs> I have made my wife used to it. But we, uh, what we actually do now, because we, we travel, you know, a decent amount to non Disney locations as well. I know mm-hmm. guests. <laughs> but uh, we have well a lot of times I just use my phone a white noise maker on my phone mm-hmm. but I also have like a little travel alarm clock that can make just a white noise sound oh yeah that we mm-hmm. use in place of uh, it's not quite as good as a fan but if you are traveling it it's helpful rather than hearing everything yeah it, the general gist I think that this week's podcast hashtag should be hashtag fan people (laughs) just to know if people actually listen to this one you know okay so if you listen to this podcast with jen of the dillis diz use hashtag fan people plus i just want to know how many other people sleep with a fan another good tip is um and this kind of goes with packing is i know that a lot of people have to bring baby food diapers wipes pull-ups we have been those people for years. And what we like to do is just get those things when we're when we're there because it saves so much packing space. You can do grocery delivery. You can just stop on your way into the parks. What we do is we have family there, so they just buy it for us and then just bring it to the resort with us because you know we're spoiled. But these are all options that you can do to save weight in your suitcases. Just make things easier and then you can just bring the leftovers home with you. We usually rent a car, so we will swing by CVS or Walmart or wherever we're headed and usually load up on diapers, swim diapers, wipes, and usually huge packages of water that cost $2 for a case of like 20 instead of paying $5 per (laughs) bottle of water in the park. Good idea. Yeah. And especially then if you do have formula and you have the powdered formula, so you need the water for mixing, it's just, it's so much cheaper and way easier to do that. And then just put a bunch of bottles in your bag as you're in the park during the day. And it kind of, I mean, you're, you'll probably run out since you're not carrying the case all day, but at least it'll save you some money instead of buying the extra expensive ones at the stands. We do that with the applesauce pouches as well, because my kids inhale those. Yeah. So we just buy like a three pack and that lasts us, you know, like two days because my kids are little termites when it comes to those. Brian, do you do like grocery deliveries or anything when you stay on property? We certainly have in the past. Yeah. Uh, now it's a little more sporadic because now, now they're getting to the ages where they will occasionally eat things in the park. But yeah, we've we've definitely done. I know the only one I think we've actually used is Garden Grocer, uh, although there are several other places now or other ways that you can, you know, using like Instacart and things like that, you can get groceries. For little ones, it's fantastic. We used to get that's how we used to get our diapers, mm-hmm. you know, wipes, things like that. It would it saves so much packing space because you know you're not you know I mean you know about how many diapers you're going to go through, mm-hmm. so you know you're not bringing them back home anyway. Right. So we used to just order order pack. You know, we'd bring you know a, a bunch for the plane and you know just as extras to have. But then we would just order like a box of diapers for the hotel and wipes and you know sometimes formula and again the puffs. We went through a lot of puffs. <laughs> um, puffs and yogurt melts. Those yeah. are the two. 
And, and even as the kids got older, I mean, that's where we'd get like a case of water, we'd get bread, just all that kind of stuff that is, there is definitely an upcharge to getting grocery delivery versus going to the grocery store yourself, but it's still cheaper than if you bought that stuff at the Disney parks or hotels. So I can't remember this off of the top of my head, but I know that something changed with the grocery delivery. Do you get an extra charge if Bell Services takes the groceries for you um, and you're not there to pick to it up? It, yeah. Okay, that's what it is. All right. I wasn't sure where that extra charge came in. If Bell Services holds it for you, but if you're there to pick it up. It is a $6 fee per order, not per item. And it is only imposed if the groceries are delivered to your room by a cast member. So if you go down to Bell Services and get the stuff yourself, you don't have to pay it. Well, and really, you, it's only $6 per order. I thought at one point it was per item. I think maybe that was a rumor that was started at one point. Or maybe um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, know, that's, that's what I'm saying. Now, I, I've only found it on like third-party sites. I don't think Disney ever officially announced this. So Right, same. Uh, so I don't know if it's actually like that or not. I found with a lot of Disney's charges, they it, it tends to a lot of their their fees tend to be on the honor system, where if you just don't mention them, they don't charge you for it. It seems to be how their parking fees work too. Oh yeah, thank you for looking that up. Also, question for you: Do you two bring car seats to Walt Disney World? We tend to just use Disney transportation. So we use the DME to pick us up the Disney Magical Express or Disney's Magical Express. I was saying it wrong for like 15 years. So (laughs) we tend to use Disney's Magical Express and then Disney transportation. So we never need a car seat. But I'm curious, do you two bring yours? Brian, I'm assuming your kids are out of them. Now, yeah. Now, now we're, my daughter is t- she doesn't need anything anymore. Yeah. She's 10 and, and on the taller side. My son uses a booster when we're home, but he's close enough that if we're, if we're traveling, a lot of times we won't, won't bring that. Or um, what we, we actually bought years ago that we've used a ton are called bubble bums, which are inflatable booster seats. So now a booster, the difference with a booster and a car seat, the booster does not strap to anything. It literally just just boosts the kid up a couple inches mm-hmm. so that the seatbelt fits properly. Mm-hmm. So the bubble bum is, is literally just an inflatable cushion that they sit on just to raise them up. And those are great Ooh. for traveling. As far as the actual car seat, when they were in them, we've kind of tried everything. Like there are times where if we were just taking the Magical Express and not renting a car, obviously we we didn't bother once we rented a car and also rented the seat with it that did not go well we've done that too yeah it was like the old style seat that didn't have the latch system on it so we had to try to hook it in using the seat belt and we just couldn't and never felt like it was quite tight enough yeah and and they're dirty yeah so we only ever did that once and then after that we used to we would just check our, our car seat if we were using a car but most of the time we went to disney we didn't get a car we would just magical express in and out yeah, I'm I'm pretty similar where I've tried to rent the car seat once we didn't love it. And it's an extra charge. So at the airport, we'll do like curbside check in and put the car seats in a bag and just leave them there. Or when the kids were small enough where they were still in a carrier, we would just use it as part of our stroller and then wheel it right to the gate. So that was kind of easy as well. But We've also done Magical Express. So I think if we're renting a car, we do prefer to bring our own just because then we know what we're getting and we know it's Mm -hmm. clean. Well, 
cleanish. Besides uh, <laughs> our own kids, it's at least but, your dirt. Yeah, exactly. Not, right, yeah. it's our germs. Um, so we will kind of just check them, and it's free to check at the airport. So we usually take that route. So we bring our own stroller. We always have. They've always made it onto the plane. Oh, and that's another thing. We check our stroller and our car seats if we bring them at the gate. And I don't know. I just feel like it goes through a little less damage when we do it that way. And then we can just push the kids in the stroller right up to the gate and don't have to worry about them because they're strapped in and safe and ready to go. But that's what we do. We check our own strollers. And I did want to mention that Animal Kingdom is doing new stroller testing. They are not made of hard plastic. They look to be way more comfortable and they seem to be the exact same price as the plastic ones. They have double strollers to choose from and single and they're softer fabric, apparently really easy to clean and they're doing really well. They're easier to store. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to kind of launch this across the other parks. But I do worry about what that will do for the other stroller companies in Orlando. Have you guys heard of this at all? I haven't, but I'm excited to hear about them. I felt like those beige ones just seem so clunky and <laughs> they didn't seem that comfortable. I mean, back in my day when I was in a stroller, uh, we had like a really <laughs> rickety metal stroller with like blue plastic cushion, but whatever. I loved it. Um, I would still be pushed around in that stroller if I could. But I, I am a person who also brings a stroller with us. So we've never actually used the ones, the newer ones at the parks, but it would be great if they figured out a better way. And I know they're also trying to condense the amount of strollers and how big the strollers are. So maybe these are a slimmer option as well, which could work for all the crowds at the parks. Yeah, they really seem to be just looking at pictures and they have cup holders for the kids and a place for them to put like little snacks, you know, like a tray. So I think it's going to do really well. Like I said, I do worry about the stroller, the other stroller companies, but at the end of the day, they have a limited supply. And can you book these in advance or do you have to go to the park and then get one? Right. Because, you know, the peace of mind for me would be to rent one beforehand. Yeah. to know and guarantee that I'm going to have one. And then you also have to leave it at the park at the end of the mm -hmm. day. So that's the other thing. That's what I was going to say. When you, If you rent them from an outside company, if you bring one yourself, and the downside is that you have to deal with it on the bus mm -hmm. uh, or the monorail or some, anything like that, the, the upside is that you can use it. You know, If you go to Disney Springs, you can use it there. You can't yep. you know, take your rented stroller out of the Magic Kingdom and go to Disney Springs with it. So. Right. I have rented from the other stroller companies several times, and we do have a stroller review on the blog, and we have an updated review coming very soon. It's a really easy process. I would say that pretty much all of the review or all of the rental companies, it's pretty much the same process. So whatever one you choose is going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, that's one thing I never did was was rent. We only, I think we only even rented from Disney once like right on the edge when my kids insisted they didn't want to bring the stroller <laughs> and like two days in decided they wanted a stroller. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, we'll do it one day. You get to pick the day. We'll do it one day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were always bring our own. We had a, a fairly nice, um, I think it was a Brit X umbrella. Oh, yeah. It was an umbrella stroller. 
the umbrella style strollers where they fold, you know, lengthwise and, and sideways kind of are work so much better in the parks. I think like not in the parks, but on the buses Yeah, because those big ones, just trying to lug them down the aisle, especially if the bus is pretty full, it get real, real dicey. So the umbrella ones are nice. They, you they actually fit underneath seats. So you can just like on those side seats there, you can just kind of throw them under the seat. Mm -hmm. It's real easy. So we used to, we had a pretty nice one there that we used to always just bring with us. We lucked out that when my son was little, my daughter was at the the toddler age where she insisted she did not need a stroller anymore. So we could get away with only one. Oh, that's nice. No double then. Yeah. No. Awesome. And you bring your own as well, Jen? Yeah, I do. And I we recently got like a Zoe stroller, a Zoe double stroller, which are like I think 20 pounds maybe as a stroller itself. So we found that great for traveling because it's so light and so much easier to take with us and just fold up a lot better and it's not as clunky. So we've only taken it with us. We haven't tried rentals at all. Yeah, if you if you are planning on traveling a lot with with children, a stroller that folds really easily and nicely is the best investment you'll yes, ever make. Exactly. Yeah, and I we mainly bring our own stroller when we have rented them. It's it's been for touring plans to review, but the double stroller we have it's one of those double strollers that's like forward. You know, like like the kids are like one's behind the other. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, I really like that because I feel like it's just more narrow and it's easier to get through, you know, like doorways and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that we've chosen. Well, you can't side by sides. Are, are they over the size limit now? Because Disney has imposed a size limit. I don't think they are. And really, they're not as big as people think. I, I know people think that like, oh my gosh, double strollers. They are bigger, but they get through doors. Yeah. You know, they get through doorways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they're probably about the size of like an adult wheelchair. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I think they just look big because it's like there's two kids side by side. Yeah. And really, if my kids were side by side, they would just be hitting each other and hitting <laughs> each other and like poking each other in the eye. So, yes, the front and behind one is way better for me. <laughs> Jen, let's talk about some of your park tips. Sure. Um, well, I think we probably would all agree that snacks are everyone's best friend. So, and I think also, because the kids are away from home, they're out of their routine, they, you don't know that they'll necessarily eat everything that are, are given to you as options in the park. So bringing those applesauce pouches or any of the pouches with mixed fruits and vegetables, sometimes my kids have lived off that and like Cheerios. But, yep. but just having snacks with you, like I said, having the bottles of water that we take with us. And I know before this, we had kind of talked about the um, naps. And our family has been such a big fan of a nap in the middle of a Disney day (laughs) for as long Mm -hmm. as I can remember, but as me and Frank as kids or teenagers or adults, um, and especially now, but, and this kind of goes back to Brian's point earlier. Of course, if you have saved up for years and you're not doing many Disney trips, you do kind of want to go, go, go and see everything. But I feel like you're just asking for meltdowns from adults and children. So if you can make your day, whether you're starting later and maybe just hanging out for the beginning of the day or ending earlier, or that you can go back to the resort during the day, have some lunch, maybe go in the pool, just nap if you can, whatever it is that kind of just takes everything down a notch. I think it does wonders and kind of 
gives everyone a second win to then go back into the parks and enjoy it later on. Yeah, you hit my very favorite tip. It's my number one tip that I bring up whenever I can. And it's that afternoon siesta. Because like you said, with that lack of routine, you have to expect meltdowns. Like my daughter, when we went this last time, I mean, she was just, she was acting, I don't know how to say it. She was just acting more spoiled. And she's not like that at all. Your daughter? Oh, I know. Never. She's not like me at all. And, and she's not, that's not her personality. But you know what? It was sensory overload. overload. She was going to bed later. She was off her routine. And kids love routine. Yeah. And so going back in the middle of the day gives them time for everyone really to just reset, whether you're napping, you're swimming, you're just having some downtime, some quiet time. Mm-hmm. It just resets everyone. So yeah, that's a great tip. That actually leads in my tip that I would give people with younger kids is, is that it's, it's try to stay close to your routine if possible. Mm-hmm. What well, we did a lot with my kids when they were little, it helped that they weren't crazy about the fireworks anyway they they tended to be a little freaked out by them mm-hmm. but we would we would genuinely just try to be back to the hotel around the same time that they would get their bath and go to bed just like we would at home you know we didn't necessarily wake them up early to go to the parks i you know i mean you don't want to do that the whole trip because you want to also see stuff but um but when you can yeah i, I would say try to keep them relatively close the more you push them out of that the the worse it's going to add up at the end adjust your schedule a little bit and know that okay if you're going especially if it's if they're really really young like if they're under two know that you're not necessarily going to see everything you're going to walk slower you might have to rest more you you might have to just go sit out of the sun for a half an hour while they cool down like you just you you have to know that it's it's going to be on their terms and not mm-hmm. yours mm-hmm. or else it's going to get real real ugly yeah. yes and i think those cooling towels i know they sell them in the parks but you can also like get them on amazon where you just mm-hmm. run some water over them and shake them up having those during the summer humidity and heat in disney world are so helpful for just even just sitting in the stroller can get so hot. So they are just kind of sitting there baking in the sun. If you have those cooling towels on them, it kind of does help a little bit at least. Well, and that kind of brings me into the baby care centers because babies under, what, six months old, they can't wear sunscreen. Right. And the sun, sometimes when you're pushing a stroller, the sun gets on these poor babies in the stroller and they're completely exposed. And when you're you, waiting for the day, the midday parade, sometimes oh, you just oh can't help it and you have to kind of turn them backwards mm-hmm. so they're not in the sun, yeah. And it's horrible because sometimes like, you know, the sun changes and, and people don't notice and the baby's just exposed and it's just like, oh, it just hurts. Oh, well, I'm thinking about it right now. Anyway, but the baby care centers, that's why those are wonderful because it's like taking a midday break in the parks. I have a video on our YouTube channel all about the baby care centers. They're quiet. They're air conditioned. There are places where you could take like pumping or nursing breaks. There's baby items for purchase in case, you know, you forget really anything, whether it be like diaper cream, diapers, baby food, and I, anything, outfits, you know, if your kid, you know, spills on themselves or has an accident. There's high chairs to feed your kids. There's changing tables. There's a microwave. There's so many things. There's even a little TV with, I think, like books and a few toys so your kid can just sit and exist in a quiet area. I can't say enough good things about the baby care centers, and there is one at every single park. So definitely utilize that if you can. They're usually um, 
I think by the first aid centers too, I believe, or at least the one at Magic Kingdom is. The one at Magic Kingdom definitely is. Yeah. yeah. I'm having trouble picturing where the rest of them are. Yeah. Don't, don't quote me on that one. And maybe the one at Hollywood Studios is as well. Yeah. Yeah. One one other thing I'll say when you mentioned about about the sun, one of the things we got when my son was was eight weeks old was it was like a shade cover for the stroller that okay. we just got on like Amazon or something, mm-hmm. and it basically it looked almost like a hat brim, and you just kind of strapped it over the existing shade on the stroller, and it just elongated it, and it looked kind of ridiculous, but it covered the entire thing so we it it helped a lot not having to worry about whether he was in the sun because the answer was almost always no Uh, and we put we attached a little fan to it to blow on wow he had it much nicer than the rest of us (laughs) no kidding he's in paradise and you guys are like oh my gosh i'm exhausted except then when it rained and we had to put the rain cover over the stroller like with him in it and it oh. turned into like a hot box. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sauna then. oh my God. I will say something. We've talked a lot about sensory overloads and having quiet spaces. So my son has a lot of sensory difficulties and certain things trigger him in Disney and certain things don't. There is a page on Disney's site, those services for guests with cognitive disabilities page. And I feel like some people who have children that do have these disabilities feel like, oh, it's going to be too much for them. It's going to be too overwhelming. And you can go to guest relations and we haven't done it yet, but I know it's there, which is already a comfort knowing that this is an option, but you can go there. And if you're feeling like your child is way too overwhelmed, they'll work with you. They can help maybe even give you a pass for the lines where it's more of a fast pass and you're not standing there for as long. And there is a lot that can be done to make your time in Disney a lot easier. And you don't have to be afraid to go just because Mm -hmm. of that. And of course, having snacks, having things that are comforts for them will work wonders as well. Anything that may help them calm down when they're home, take that with you to Disney or maybe some noise canceling headphones, whatever it is that if they get into a situation where they're feeling like this is all too much, you have a backup plan. Yeah, that's something great to know. Thank you for bringing that up. Disney is fantastic with making adjustments for basically anyone that has anything they need. Yes. Even adults. My my sister-in-law has celiac disease, mm-hmm. so she cannot eat gluten. It makes her very sick. And I mean, they they bend over backwards for anything like that. So yes, if you have yourself or your, your a child has anything, any sort of problem, even if you don't know they do until you're in the parks mm-hmm. and it just seems like they're overwhelmed, absolutely go call, talk to guest relations. They have definitely dealt with things like that before yes. yeah. and will we'll help you. For sure. So before we get into the best rides for babies and toddlers, Brian, I was wondering if you could explain how the new, well, I guess it's not really new, but how the writer switch process works nowadays. The system is relatively new that they're using now. So rider switch or rider swap or child swap, you'll hear it by all of those names. I honestly don't even remember which one is the official. I think it's rider switch. Yeah. But basically is a system where any ride that has a height requirement, uh, you can rather than just skip it completely if you have a child that is below the height requirement you can basically swap off. So it's easiest with an example. So say you go up to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and you have a child that is is too small to ride. I believe the height requirement is 38 inches for that one. And um, 
there are two parents and one child. Well, if the parents want to ride, you go up to the front, you ask them for, you, you tell them you want to do the rider switch. They will then scan all of your magic bands or your, your ticket media. They will assign you one of the parents and the child a return time to come back where you can go through the fast pass line. The other parent then waits in line or uses the fast pass if you have one already. So basically both parents get to ride in a shorter amount of time than waiting in line twice for it. So mm-hmm. one parent gets to go through the regular line, one parent gets to go through the rider to the through the fast pass line on the rider switch. Uh, using the magic bands and assigning the time is the part that is fairly recent uh, and they are still messing with the system a little bit. So uh, it may I don't want to go into too many details because they seem to be changing a lot, but uh, in general it allows both parents to ride or any adult and the nice thing with it is that you can still bring like other children. So like if you have two children and only one is too small to ride, the other child could actually go with both parents and mm-hmm. end up riding twice on it, which is, is a nice little bonus mm-hmm. for, for that kid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a great way for parents to kind of try out rides that they maybe would have had to skip by waiting with the too small to ride kid. Yeah, we have gotten requests for a rider switch video. The reason we haven't done it is because we are waiting for this process to be a little more confirmed Mm -hmm. and stable before we do a video on it. So if you're wondering, that's why. Have either of you used rider switch before? We have not because we always have grandparents or aunts and uncles with us, which is another good tip. If you do go to Disney with kids, bringing people with you is like probably my number one best tip is bring your people with you. It just makes things a lot easier and more fun for everyone. I have not with my own kids. I have pre-kids for me, but being with friends and they had kids. So I, I tried it back then. I thought you were just grabbing kids. Yeah. And- <laughs> uh, yeah I was like, oh, go on this ride. I need to borrow a kid. Can I just borrow you for a second? We just really need to expedite this process. No. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. <laughs> friends with kids. I have um, done it then, but not recently. I think because we go so often, we feel like if we don't make it on a ride, it's okay for us. And I'm also not a big roller coaster person or if I, you know, I take it or leave it. So if my husband wants to go on, I'm like, yeah, go, I'll go walk them around for a nap. It's fine. And whereas now I think, well, actually back in November, me and Frank went down just us for like 24 hours. So we did go on bigger rides that I hadn't been on in a while. So I, I think definitely having people with you, but this rider switch op- um, option is amazing. And it's so cool that they do that, that you yeah. don't have to miss out. I have used the old system when they used to hand you a physical like paper right. rider switch pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't used it at all in the news and, and I, I probably won't because my kids are, are, my son is 54 inches now, so we don't have to mm-hmm. anymore. Right. But yeah, the old paper system we used to use a lot actually because then there was no time limit. You just had until the end of the day to use the rider switch pass. So we used to kind of just collect them almost as extra fast passes and just use them later whenever, especially when my daughter was tall enough to ride and my son wasn't because that she could get kind of extra rides on some of the thrill rides that way. Now that they assign the times, it's a little little bit tougher to do that but uh so yeah i haven't i know i know some of our our colleagues at touring planes have used it and they it's definitely is a little bit more 
complicated now, but it still seems to work pretty well. I should try that when I go in January with my family. I'll make a note to do that. I hope I remember. <laughs> okay, let's just name our a few of our best rides for babies and toddlers, and then we'll move on to our dining tips. I can start. I think that It's a Small World is, you know, a universal, pretty much attraction, literally universal because it's a world, <laughs> but I'm sh- Okay, I'm not funny. Um, it's not a universe. It's, okay, you got to ding me there, Brian. <laughs> no, Our last podcast was all about universes. So it's on my mind. I know. Yeah, it really was. Um, it's a small world is a good option for different reasons. I mean, it's a really it's a really colorful ride, and I know babies can only see black, white, and red, which is actually why uh, Minnie and Mickey are really good for them but it's still colorful and because of the music music's really important for babies just like cognitively sensory you know development wise and helps them learn sounds and words and on the ride you can kind of point out the different shapes so that's I mean that's why I like it for babies do you guys have any other suggestions as far as best rides I will say small world was one because it's relatively long and and smooth that was the one we used to get the kids to eat snacks on. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd have like a container of grapes or something and we would just kind of let them pick at it as we were going through small <laughs> Didn't world. you tell me that you would give them like ham sandwiches on the ride? Uh, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> That's yes. it. You still, give them sandwiches. <laughs> My son is still super picky. We still carry peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Well, what do you think, Brian, while you're talking, uh, what do you think is a good ride? I mean, honestly, Disney has a ton of them. Almost all of the Fantasyland rides, except for Seven Doors Mine Train, don't have height requirements, which means you can take literally a baby on them, and I have. So there are just a ton of things. I mean, you can go through Peter Pan and Small World and The Little Mermaid and just roll through all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic Kingdom is definitely a little bit more baby friendly. My my kids actually really liked Epcot when they were young. They have, you know, the imagination and Nemo and living with the land. They always called it the Donald Duck boat ride oh. that I, I still, I either want to call it that or I'll Rio, Rio del Tiempo. But Grand Fiesta Tour in Mexico is good. Now Frozen Ever After, you can take the kids on like there's really a lot. Like we did talk last week about Universal and how they inexplicably have height requirements on like all of their rides. And Disney is, has a shocking amount of rides that you can just take babies on. I think the Pickle Mover. Yes, that was one of mine too. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? I love the people mover. <laughs> really, that's all you need to say. No, that's it. Um, no, I think that's such a good one. You get a nice breeze on the ride and it's so simple and yes, whatever. And you also get to see the castle as you whip back around, but it's, it's great for kind of people watching and park watching and just a calm ride. It's easy to get on. You don't really have to ever wait in a line for it. If you do, don't go on it um, because <laughs> you should be able to just walk on that ride at all times. Yes. <laughs> but I think that's a great one for kids. It's just calm and easy and it's a good go-to. Otherwise, I think most of mine have been said already. Speaking of, of Tomorrowland, actually one I thought not necessarily for, for baby babies, but once they get into like where they, you know, like to, to grip things, uh, Buzz Lightyear's oh, yeah. Space Rangers mm-hmm. pin is actually great for that yep. because they can, it's very, very colorful and they can just sit there and shoot until their heart's content and they end up with 
a hundred points. I know, like, but they're like oh, so proud of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Or although I would recommend not letting them control the spinning because that could get real, oh, yeah. real bad. No, for for me, I would one hundred percent throw up. <laughs> I know you mentioned a lot of these, but you know, like Dumbo the flying elephant. Mm-hmm. It's really like that's the one that I feel everyone takes their babies on, and then you cry because you're thinking about singing "Baby Mine." But you know, it's a good one to like practice your elephant noises, enjoying the cool breeze. And beforehand, if your kid's a little bigger, like a toddler, you could um, go into the indoor playground beforehand, and that's another really good way to get your wiggles out yes. and to tire them out and then go on the ride and then hopefully they'll like get all tired and fall asleep. Wow. <laughs> Those are all great ones. As Brian kind of said, a lot of these are at Magic Kingdom, but I mean, like Epcot, you have Spaceship Earth and Frozen Ever After at Hollywood Studios, Toy Story, Midway Mania and Alien Swirling Saucers. Unfortunately, my- no, Alien Swirling Saucers has a high requirement. Does it really? 34, 36, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah, that was I was very disappointed in that when they built that because Hollywood Studios needs more rides with no height requirements. I'm so surprised by that. I mean, I guess it's the whipping around, but still. Yeah. But yeah, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will not have a height requirement, but that'll be it. It's just that and Toy Story Mania there. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the best park for kids unless they like shows. Which is also good for kids. Yeah. Animal Kingdom, there's Navi River Journey and Kilimanjaro Safaris. Yes. There the is not, not a ride, but the Finding Nemo, the musical, mm-hmm. and Festival of the Lion King are possibly the two best shows that Disney does. Mm-hmm. So Festival of the Lion King gets really loud, though, so bring ear protectors if you're going to do that. My kids loved Finding Nemo, the musical. I I do too. Like that, the music in that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I wrote a, a, a. It's now an old blog post about how that is the best show at Disney World. I haven't seen that one in a long time. This is before Robert Lopez. Uh, got his his egot after frozen <laughs> and everything so so you haven't written the wow you haven't written in a while then Brian. i don't write very much wow. anymore now. <laughs> not, I, I write a lot on the site just not for the blog but yeah well Rob, if, for those of you who don't know the the man robert lopez and his his wife whose name i am blanking on kirsten kristen kristen oh yes mm-hmm. yes they wrote the music for finding nemo the musical they also wrote the music for frozen and have won Tonys for both uh, Book of Mormon and Avenue Q, which are not kid friendly. <laughs> yeah, but, no. uh, which is I find very funny that they they dabble in both very kid friendly and very not kid friendly. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, they are fantastic composers. So that that is why the music in that is so good. Yeah. Moving on to dining, Jen, can you please start us off on some of your favorite restaurants for babies and toddlers? Sure. I mean, I think anything with character dining in the description is perfect for kids and um, babies. But so, I mean, Ohana is a favorite of mine and Chef Mickey personally is not a favorite. I did have dinner there, but I'm sure breakfast is good and they have all the classic characters though. So I think for that, it's totally worth it. And over at the studios, Hollywood and Vine have a lot of the Disney Junior characters. So if your kids love Disney Junior, that's a great place to go. But I really feel like anywhere where you can include the characters in the experience. Oh, and of course, at Cinderella's Castle. Um, mm-hmm. It's a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I, I, we did a lot of character dining mm-hmm. when my kids were, were young. And even actually, we even last time we were there, like a year ago, we still did a, like two character meals, I think. But um, when they're very little, you know, you might want to 
maybe test it out while you can still cancel the reservations <laughs> to make sure they're not terrified right. of the character. Good point. That, that can happen. Yeah. If I feel like it's more common for kids to be terrified of the fur characters uh, the where you can't see a human face mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse or Tigger or any of those. They tend to be more okay with like the princesses where you can actually see their face. So maybe if you're not sure what's going to happen, like say your kids are afraid of meeting Santa Claus at the mall mm-hmm. or something like that, maybe make a reservation for... <laughs> Like Ohana or Garden Grill at Epcot, I like a lot. That also has Mickey Mouse yeah. at it, and uh, it's Mickey, Pluto, Chippendale there. Yeah. And then also one for either Cinderella Royal Table or Akershus, which also has princesses, mm-hmm. and just kind of see how it goes when they see them in the park. <laughs> I was lucky my kids were not afraid of, of any of them, really, So, uh, which is why we, we did so many. But yeah, I, I think those, I mean, there, there's quite a few dining experiences that are have an experience to them. I think sci-fi dine-in theater is a good one uh, where you are just, you know, watching, you know, I mean, they're old movie clips, stuff that they won't really get, but it's just the fact that there was something on a big screen. Mm -hmm. You're you're eating in a car. That's on mine too. Yeah. But uh, anything like that, we we used to kind of do half and half where we do some character meals, some stuff like that. And then just a lot of quick service things we could get through kind of fast before they got antsy and could get back to the rides was, was generally our plan of attack for meals. Yeah. And quick service is so great. And, and it says it in the title title quick service. Um, but it is, you go in and grab some food. It's usually a more noisy area or restaurant. So you don't worry mm-hmm. about if your kids are screaming, that's okay. So where's everyone else's. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are, a great option too. What about you, Angela? What do you like to do with the kids? First of all, I did want to mention that when you're making your dining reservations, please include your babies. They count as a person. They're a human because uh, we have made that mistake of not including them as a person before. It's never a big deal with Disney, but um, that's just something I wanted to point out from personal experience of forgetting my kids. And like in the reservation. Although I will say, I mentioned before that if, if your child is younger than three, you don't have to buy them a park ticket. Yes. That also goes for buffet meals. You do not have to pay for them mm-hmm. at a buffet. So when you are making the reservation, if it is something that is prepaid, like Cinderella Royal Table is, I would usually leave them off so I didn't have to pay for it and get reimbursed later. And then when I checked in, I would just tell them, no, we're actually four, not three. For any other character meal, you could kind of do it either way, depending, but um, make sure if you do add them in your reservation, when you check in, make sure you tell them you have an under three Mm -hmm. so they do not charge you for them. Yes, good note. Mm -hmm. As far as my favorite restaurants for bringing babies and toddlers, totally agree with the character dining. Brian already said sci-fi. Teppanito is probably my favorite one to bring kids. My daughter, like I said, was 11 weeks old when we brought her. And she like zeroed in on the chef and did not take her eyes off him. And the chefs are really good about engaging the kids during the experience and making it fun for them. And they'll even, I mean, my daughter wasn't eating steak, but like when she was a toddler, they'll cut up the the meat into like really tiny pieces for them so that they won't choke and die. But like, they're really good about engaging mm-hmm. the kids and, and making it fun for them. And it just kind of goes to show that, you know, with ages as younger as apparently th- three months old, but you know, baby age, um, they'll get something out of it. And then um, with places like Be Our Guest and 
you know, Rainforest Cafe, Coral Reef, Beer oh, Garden. I love Rainforest Cafe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, We've eaten at Rainforest Cafes in like four different countries. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, it's that sensory overload. There's, in at all those places, like even Beer Garden, there's there's so much to look at. It's engaging, you know, with yeah, Beer, Beer Garden, Garden, there's music. Beer Garden's a good one, yeah. Well, and it, with that being um, a buffet, you're bound to find at least one thing that they'll eat, even if it's like mashed potatoes or something. You know, like they're going to eat Sour rotten, yeah. Yeah, totally. We'll eat that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and at least with Beer Garden and even Be Our Guest, like there's room for you to walk around and Be Our Guest, they can explore the rooms, watch the snow and the petals fall. Coral Reef, they can look at the sea life. So I don't know. I kind of like rush through that, but you get the gist of what I'm, I'm talking about. And none mm-hmm. of that involves characters unless you're talking about Be Our Guest and meeting the beast. And chances are like, I don't know. Are you really going to take your baby to meet the beast or are they going to be terrified? I don't know. Not, yeah. <laughs> if, I, I will say you mentioned Coral Reef. If you're going to do that, I think I've only ever eaten there twice, but both times what we did that worked well is we made a fairly early lunch or dinner reservation, like right mm-hmm. when the, the window opens. Yeah. And then you kind of get there a couple minutes before that and ask the server to be placed right up against the aquarium. Yes. The experience is a lot different, yeah. whether you're right up against the aquarium or whether you're like way back from it. So I would recommend that, especially with kids, because being right up next to the glass is very fun. Being like four rows away from it is not quite as That's fun. a good point. <laughs> And then what are some of your tips for keeping kids busy during, you know, those table service dining? I think probably the same as being on an airplane. I mean, if you're still carry those activities, uh, coloring books, stickers, and I'm, I'm also not opposed to breaking out of a device if need be in restaurants that... Oh, I used to have episodes of Dora the Explorer on my phone exactly. just all the time for mm-hmm. emergencies. Yeah. I mean, we would laugh if my son was watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse as Mickey Mouse is like walking by him. But if he's just, you know, sometimes it's also like a comfort, like, oh, I watch this at home and I just need to chill out and wait for my yeah. food. And I, I'm not opposed to it. I know it looks bad because it's like, you're in Disney World. What are you doing? They're kids. Yeah. yeah that's why I said. Never feel bad about doing that yeah. kind of stuff. It's... Everyone would rather your child not be throwing a fit exactly. at the table. So. I mean, that's the thing. Like, whenever anyone sees my kids with an iPad, I'm like, oh, and I like try to justify it. Mm-hmm. You know what? We don't need to justify it because kids are kids. They need downtime. We shouldn't be shamed for it. Right. And it's not like they're doing it all the time, you know? Right. Yeah, so exactly. I think that's how it is. And it makes the experience more positive for everyone. And as long as they can sit at dinner and hold a conversation when they're older, like, that's that's fine (laughs) you know they're gonna they're gonna be okay Mm -hmm. i mean even still my my kids like i said they're eight and ten they still bring their like ipod touches when we go to dinner and i mean the the rules are they have to once the food comes they can't use them anymore Mm -hmm. and stuff but like i mean i check my phone when i'm when there's when nobody's talking and we're just (laughs) sitting there like i'll look at the tv on the wall or check my phone too like it's not like i'm it's not like I'm sitting there reciting the, the Gettysburg Address for everyone. <laughs> well, and no. it gives mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom, it gives them all a chance to catch up on the trip and be like, you know, like talk to each other right. because Disney yeah. trips are hectic and crazy. And, you know, you guys don't get a chance to talk. 
especially if you do want to, you know, there are some, we didn't mention most of them because they're not always the most kid friendly, but there are some great restaurants at Disney world. So if you do decide like, Oh, we want to go to California grill Mm -hmm. at the contemporary and see the fireworks from there, like, okay, yeah, the kids would love the fireworks, but the actual meal maybe isn't for them. So that's a great time to, to break out the screens and kind of elongate the meal. You can have a glass of wine and sit and talk to your, your partner or your friends or whoever you're with waiting for the fireworks to start, you know, like that's exactly when you should be using that. Yeah, exactly. My kids are not on the device. We're in Disney world most of the day, walking around the parks, going on, right. They've gotten enough fresh air. It's okay for them to have. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. We've walked eight miles today. They burned it. (laughs) This trip is for you, parents. You enjoy yourselves too. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that we gave a lot of tips today and we discussed enough. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I know Brian does too. Thank you so much. This was great. <laughs> Brian's not so sure, but Angela. <laughs> if you want to follow Jen, she is at Jenillo, J-E-N-I-L-L-O on Twitter. Uh, her brother Frank is at Frank M. Cardillo, that's Cardillo, C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O on Twitter. And then, like I said before, they are at Dillo's Diz on Twitter as well. And that's Jen running it, not Frank. So (laughs) if they respond to you, that is Jen. 95% chance it's me, yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything else that you would like to promote while you're here, Jen, like Instagram or a website? Um, We're on Instagram, Dillo's Diz, Facebook, Dillo's Diz. So you can follow us there. We also have a YouTube channel where we've been playing around with it a little more. It has some old uh, VHS footage of ours as well as some new stuff. So that's youtube.com slash Dillo's Diz. We're everywhere. Uh, Before I leave, I just want to say that last week, Brian and I talked about his experience going to Universal Orlando Resort for a five-day vacation. So if you have not yet listened to that, you can do that after you you finish this, of course. And yeah, if if you don't mind giving us a review on iTunes, that really helps give this Five stars only. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No, that really helps our channel gain visibility and we really appreciate it. Okay, you have a great day and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.